Today I want to talk about the topic of the kind of religion we need today. It's very different, like Ben is talking about, the uh, encounters that you would have on the street or just general public at the grocery store or something. There is a different kind of greeting, a different kind of visiting with people, what they're willing to talk about and what they're not willing to talk about. Um, some avoid you because they uh, figure that you might get into a conversation on religious ideas and uh, others ask for a conversation. We do need to uh, continue to think there's a lady at the grocery store we forgot this morning in our prayer requests, but she asked for a Sabbath school lesson. So uh, Pearl's got it printed off and we're going to give it to her at her work, I guess. Or she could have come uh, to Sabbath school. She uh, said that she doesn't work on the Sabbath. She goes somewhere just to do church. And we thought, whoa, very good. She's not Adventist, if I remember right. But she does go somewhere on to, to church on Sabbath. And so she may come uh, here as well to, to be with us. People are looking for some kind of religion. They're looking for something uh, that's real. Are you really living it? Are you doing it? And uh, our religion has to be personal. We have to be able to feel that, that it belongs to us. We belong to this faith. This is what we understand. And uh, I mentioned this morning in Sabbath school class too that when I was young and we started going to church, that right away they had a big lesson book and it was nearly as big as a Bible but uh, hardcover, uh, called Steps to Truth. Well, no, that was, uh, how, how, how was that again? Uh, the Bible Home Instructor, you know, the Bible Home Instructor. Um, there's other books by the same name. That's why it kind of draws my attention. And, and our lesson that we've built for this church is the Steps to Truth, and it was meant to be correspondence or email and you'd get many of these same topics to say, well, do I belong in this environment? Is, is this the way I think? Or are these people way off somewhere in their understanding? So it has to be a personal thing. When you start studying the scriptures and, and knowing about them and what to do, you, you need some basis for where you're at. And that, that becomes personal to you. Uh, it has to be a religion, too, that purifies who you are, what you do, what you belong to, what you act like. Um, it needs to purify your inner life of what you believe in. Um, it also has to be a positive thing, something that you can look up to and be happy about and enjoy. Somebody says you do such and such. Oh, you don't or you do. You know, Either way, you have to be able to be proud of it and it becomes a positive thing to hear about or to talk about with other people. Oh, you do that too? Yeah. And then you have a buddy system, you might say, that your faith, your religion, your understanding of the Bible has such and such a meaning to you. It needs to be powerful. When I was going to church way back then, way, way back, <laughs> when I was going to church, there was a lot of talk about the power of God and the Holy Spirit and 
what God could do for you and the healings and what, what uh, um, belief would bring to you personally. Power. When you talk to others, you could give them power. Uh, the Holy Spirit would give them power. Uh, we sing the song, Power in the Blood. You know, um, We sang a lot of songs like that, that that meant something to us. And we believed it. We believed that this power could happen. And we saw it in action. We actually saw it in action in church. And healings and so on. Wow. Um, so religion is different. Today everybody wants it quiet and peaceful and uh, don't rock my boat, you know. Uh, uh, I'll come if nothing exciting happens, <laughs> you know. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. When you read the scriptures, you begin to find out that they had things in the New Testament, right? When they went from church to church, things happened. They knew why they were there. Like one guy on a recording, t record player, he said, uh, when, you're, uh, when you go to this, this type of meeting, you know you haven't been to a taffy pull. <laughs> You'd been to church. <laughs> okay. The church was something much better than uh, fun, fun and games, you might say. But we need some of that too. And when I was young, we did have a lot of that kind of thing that we did. Uh, we were down in the basement of, uh, of the pastor's home and uh, we all went for airplane rides. What? Yeah, they had some blocks there and they had a board across and have one person stand on there and they'd pick that up and, and you were blindfolded and you went for an airplane ride. It was a lot of fun. And the pastor's daughter got hurt when she jumped from the airplane and banged her knees on the floor. <laughs> uh, it was supposed to be nobody gets hurt, you know. But um, boy, when I went on that ride, I thought my head had gone clear through the ceiling of that basement. Uh, how do they manage this? You know, it was real. It really felt real. So there has to be some fun to make it personal in your religion. Otherwise, why would you go if you just all sit there and look at one another and, and nothing else happens? Uh, we went out for meals. The young, boat, the young people did. Piled in a bunch of cars and went to Chinatown and had, had meals. You probably wouldn't do that now. The roads in between here and there may not be very safe. <laughs> okay, But we all went, had fun. We went to youth camps and camp meetings and so on. We, we enjoyed being young people in the church. So it needs to be, all, all of this has to kind of fit together. It has to be personal and everything. But when you look a little deeper at the personal side uh, of what religion means to you, if I go back, kind of start this over again. Uh, the scripture says in, in John 3.3, 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We had talked a lot about the kingdom of God in our church services. And that's good. That's, that's what we need to hear. It's Bible. We need to hear that. And you know, you begin to think, am I one of the lost? Or am I one of the ones that are going to get in to the kingdom of God? What does it take to be in the kingdom of God? Is there behaviors, mannerisms, beliefs, doctrines? No, those heavy words. That means that I'm the one that's going to be getting in to the kingdom of God. And then you realize, well, if I'm one of the ones that are going to get in, you kind of 
teach yourself, I, I believe this, you know, I, I believe that uh, I'm one of the ones. Kind of scary. But what does that really mean to me? Am I special? Am I different? Then you realize, no, you're not supposed to be anything about proud or haughty or, you know, um, but it's actually true. You're going to get in. You can say, I'm somebody. You went to school, you were a nobody. They'd throw you over, trip you, or whatever. They'd do things to you because you were timid at school. Um, that wasn't the right thing. Something was wrong. But when you're at church, you could say, you know, I'm actually the one that is a child of God when they talk about it in the Bible. I'm one of those. I'm somebody. Maybe not a whole lot, but I'm somebody. <laughs> God loves me. I was created. I didn't just ooze up out of the ground. I'm a somebody because God made me. The good things that happen to my body, to me personally, means that somebody loves me. God cares about me. The good things that came along, I could always believe, reach back to that that I am. Then one day I accepted Christ as my Savior. Shortly thereafter, I got baptized. Then I realized I've actually stepped across that line. I am really somebody. I've really accepted Christ as my Savior. I'm, I'm going to be saved. I'm going to be in God's kingdom. When they talked about various good things that are going to happen in the new world, new area, new whatever you want to call it, um, have your own land, build your own houses, lay down with animals, pet the, the wild beasts that are normally very uh, vicious, and you'll be able to pat them or play with them and enjoy them. That I, I'm going to be one of those people. So it became very personal religion. One verse I should start with as well is pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. And you know you spend a lot of time looking for this. What is it? It's very short in that verse, but if I leave that out and just say the last part of that verse, it says, to keep himself unspotted from the world. That's James 1, 27. So if I want this pure religion, if I want to know what religion is all about, and I start getting into it and find out it's, I need to be undefiled, I got to do something with my life. I got to act certain ways, do, do certain things, so that I would be undefiled before God and the Father. Uh, it's not only a God that's out there, you might say, somewhere, or on some stand somewhere, but actually it's our Heavenly Father. When Jesus prayed to his father and he said, Father, such and such and such, or our Father which art in heaven, we all knew the prayers. Is he acting really like my father? I had a kind of a poor example at home, so I wondered about that. But I could look at the other men in the congregation and they were great to me. They were fantastic men to walk with and talk with and learn from. And one fellow was a carpenter and he taught me a lot of things that were enjoyable and fun. And yet he was faithful and religious type and, and that, that never got us in the way. We always had friendship and companionship.
So I could understand the Heavenly Father being in that kind of an image to me, that uh, he would do me good. But I needed to keep myself unspotted from the world. And I heard a lot of stuff back then. Do you realize how many years ago that was? Wow, 70 years ago. The world wasn't as bad as it is now. <laughs> right. But unspotted from that that I could see and understand. I had to stay unspotted from those bad things that were out there, bad things that people do to others or to, to myself or, you know, you had to be unspotted. And so that meant something that I needed to learn. Uh, not just to profess a religion. Oh, I go to that building over there or, you know, something like that. Um, I got a bigger Bible than you do, you know. <laughs> uh, it wasn't that kind of religion. It was here in your heart. And an experience that you could talk about to other people as to what it was like. You had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And I'd know that when you, that church, we came to the front, we prayed at the altar. Did you have anything happen while you were there? Yeah, many times. We had an encounter with Jesus Christ. So we knew what, what it was. We, we uh, lived it. We saw it in action. So we must be born again. Jesus talked about that. Through repentance and faith. Repent for the bad things that are around about us that we get involved in, things that we shouldn't do, shouldn't be there. Uh, whatever was going on, we needed to repent before coming to Christ. And then that would be passing over that step. We'd say that we were born again. Uh, for a while, we even uh, uh, tried out a church that you were not allowed to say born again. That was a big no-no. What? It's in the Bible. Yeah, they didn't believe that you should ever use that word, that you were born again. So I needed to search it out. First John, pretty good place to start. Okay. Um, yeah, I found out that it's there in the Bible. That if we are changed, something happened to us, we've renewed our life, we've turned around, going a different direction, that's born again. Changed your life. So faith, believing in faith. The verse in, in Luke chapter 13, there's verse 3, and then there's verse 4, but along the same topic, but the words that I'm really after are in verse 5 as well. Repent. Repent. Because we need to change our ways to be born again and to repent. And then you can get into the family of God. I knew family was a, an area of safety. Sure, I was fearful of my dad. It's just stronger and <laughs> louder. Um, I heard of one young man that said that he, if he couldn't get his, his dad to give him a nickel that he needed, that he could always go to mom and he could begin to cry and mom would give him the nickel and his, his dad wouldn't have, you know. So there was a difference. But you're, you know you're in the family, you know how to behave in that family and how the family functions. I guess that's what's, what you're after. Well, what about the Heavenly Father and the family there? If you think about all the good things that could be in a regular household, a regular home, a regular family, and you really, it's all there with the Heavenly Father. 
All the best of the best is there. I want to be in that family. You look down the road and you say, no, 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 let's leave that family where it's at. No, I'd rather not get into that family. But this Heavenly Father family was a phenomenal family that you could be in, and you are in, when you repent and become born again. This religion that we have that we really need today is a purifying religion. In 1 John 1 verse 7, it says, The blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sins. And we had to think, well, what, what is sin? Well, we started thinking of the bad things, okay? And that's, that's the bad stuff, wrong stuff. But we also need to be thinking of that it'll cleanse us, this blood of Jesus. Um, we used to sing, sing songs about uh, uh, the blood of Jesus and it, the cleansing stream. Uh, I wrote that on here somewhere, the number of the page. But you, you know what I'm talking about. And if you take the, the verses apart and talk about them, did I put that on here? Don't remember, I could look up the song. Um, I didn't want to get too much into the actual words because that can be caught in, in uh, some kind of wrongdoing maybe of copyright or something. Um, to use too much of words from another song, but you, you, or from a song, any song that's been copyrighted. The cleansing stream, the blood of Christ that will save you. Um, some churches don't want you to ever use the word blood. That's like a nasty word. Or it's, uh, uh, it doesn't, it's a stain that won't come out of your clothing. And you're talking about the blood of Jesus can wash you white, white again, white, white as snow. And so, well, they, they didn't want you to say that. And the, what? Uh, it's in the songbooks. And then uh, the more you read the Bible, all of a sudden you begin to see that those words are there in the Bible. Doesn't make sense, but that's not, that's not what it's all about. If an animal had to die, the blood was all over everything. And if it was one for sacrifice, they had to sprinkle the blood deliberately on certain things and certain clothing, whatever. They had to sprinkle the blood on the altar. And, and in your mind, you're saying, well, those stains don't come out. I don't know if that's a very good idea. But the more you read the Bible, the more you understand why that was used at that time. And we needed somebody to die, an animal to die for us. Yeah, it worked in the Old Testament, but God said he wished he didn't have to kill the animals. He wished you would behave yourself and you wouldn't have to have offerings. He gave him laws that he wasn't happy about. Well, when he got to the New Testament, what about the blood? The blood didn't have to be used anymore. Jesus said you, you won't have to do offerings in that mountain or that mountain because the blood would no longer be needed. He didn't tell her that, but that's what the future was going to be. The blood would no longer need, be needed. But we still remember it because Jesus died on the cross. He bled on the cross. The blood was involved in our salvation. But we don't have to see it being done in front of us with an animal's blood. That didn't have to be done. But it's a cleansing thing that we need to be thinking about. And um, that's first, first John 1, 7. I hope I mentioned that. The blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, cleanses us from all sin. 
Many Christians never totally commit their lives to Jesus Christ. That is sad. There was something big going on in my life. This, this idea that you need God, that you need religion, that you need Christ, you need salvation, you need baptism, uh, belief. There was something big going on because I remember I wanted to be cleaned. I wanted to be totally clean, have my life in Jesus Christ. I wanted to live for Jesus Christ. Um, we uh, see extra things in our life sometimes. Now, here's a few words. Well, I had another, had a different page, I think, at that point. Uh, but there's, when you're thinking about cleansing, yeah, that was the one, that was the page I had songs on. Uh, names of songs and words of songs. And, uh, but those words were very important to me when I was younger. Uh, if you falter, you need to be persistent in coming back, not in having your own way. You needed to have backbone of what you believed and, and what you wanted to live like, but not, not in a wrong way to um, people that want to go their own way and do their own thing. And they don't want to be told anything different. We must surrender our will unreservedly. You know, that's hard to think on. Sometimes you say, no, no, I want to have my two cents in there. I want to do so-and-so. Can we surrender completely to God's will? Uh, doing so will bring cleansing and, pre and present our Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be presented in us. That's in 1 Thessalonians. Let's go there, 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter five and verse twenty-three. And the very God of peace, oh that's a good word. Our world is so full of turmoil, so much hate and, and hurt and pain. The God of peace. No war in that word peace, is there? Let that God sanctify you wholly, completely, fully. The very God of peace. Let him fill you up, sanctify you, cleanse you, take away all the spots. Wholly, completely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and body and your soul and spirit be preserved blameless. Blameless. Wow. I knew a lot of blame and I knew a lot of situations in, in school and around me and so on. Even at a very young age and all the way up through high school, um, I felt terrible in high school. Things happened to me and around me that was embarrassing. I wasn't involved, but uh, I wanted this other side, the cleansing the purifying, the sanctifying. I, I wanted that kind of thing. Completely, my whole life, the spirit and body and soul uh, be preserved blameless. How long? Unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't want to have to go back to that spot anymore. 
I wanted to get that cleaning over with, cleansing over with. I wanted to get right once and for all. Uh, I still wish that it just never came back, that Satan never bothered me anymore. <laughs> but that's the world we're in. Satan is here until Jesus returns. But we need to be preserved until Jesus comes. Be protected by Heavenly Father and by Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, I put in here, also remember verse 22. Uh, Abstain from all appearance of evil. No, that wasn't read like that when I was young. It was said, abstain from all appearances of evil. Get yourself out of there. Fix that problem. <laughs> okay. We needed to know what right and wrong were and get out of there. Get out of the bad stuff. Stay away from the bad stuff. Don't get in trouble. Don't do things that are in, incorrect. We need to purify our religion. It has to be a positive religion. And, you know, along the way, there was times when I, I would get a, a boost or a shot in the arm or a punch in the arm, one or the other. Somebody would say, hey, did you notice that? Well, if you go to 1 John, let's, let's do that. Go to 1 John. It's a little book. 1 John, and then 2 John, 3 John, they're all little books. And uh, it's very easy to read one of these in an afternoon. And you'll absolutely be amazed if you take thought of the words that are going through your eyes and brain. Uh, if you look in the first chapter, it says we, and then colored in all the ones with we. There's one, two, three in the first verse. And I think there's 21 in the first chapter. What's he trying to get across to us with this? We know this. We did this. We did that. We did that. We do this. He's got something there going on. Then you find out the word no, K-N-O-W, is connected with a lot of these words. And then you find out there's also K-N-O-W-E-N, and um, no, E-T-H, my, just my ink was blotting there, uh, knoweth. We know, or you knoweth, times knoweth, that, that word's in there, and known, K-N-O-W-N. And I was counting one time, and I tried to count them up again last night, and it didn't work for me. I wrote them down twice and tried to, tried to count them all up without spending a whole lot of time looking through this five little chapters. And I wrote there 37 times in just First John. Hey, he's trying to get a point across to us. We need to read that and find out what he's getting at. Then I started to think about, we know that we have passed from death unto life. First John 3, 14. We know. Do you... Are you sure? Have you thought through it? Have it made it a personal religion to you? Do you know that that's a true statement? John said it that way. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life. And this goes on and on, verse after verse after verse, chapter after chapter after chapter. And you should just uh, really get into that. That 1 John 3, uh, oh, I got a red dot by it. It should be 14. I hope I said 14. Chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14. We know 
that we have passed from death unto life because that's really what we're after too. Why? Because what? Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Brother, church brothers, and your home brothers. I didn't have a brother. Got away easy on that one, but I had three sisters and oh boy. <laughs> My oldest sister and I used to fight like cats and dogs at times. But, <laughs> but uh, we grew out of it. <laughs> we grew out of that pretty quick. But um, a verse like that is saying, you know, are you sure? Do you know? No, put it down. I can't find it again. Here we go. <laughs> um, chapter 3, 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life. I knew the steps I was taking at church, the prayers I was saying, the people that I was dealing with, who's, who lived like this, who lived like that. I knew that I could say that, that I know that that's true. The feelings that went on, feelings are not a good judge, not a good idea to, to be the only thing that you depend on. If you have more things connected with it, we could use that word. I have this feeling. I understand it. It's, it's correct in my life, in my body. Uh, I know that I've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. And one brother, a great big man, he had huge hands. And when he'd shake your hand, your hand almost got lost. You had to be sure you... Keep your thumb hooked out. So, you <laughs> Boy, was he a good brother in the church. He was an excellent brother, a deacon or elder. I guess he was an elder. Uh, Big-handed man. Tall, too. Strong, big man. And each brother that I went to, or each sister that I went to, I realized this love was there. It was real. They loved me and I loved them. And it says that that's because... We have that, we know that, we have that, that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brotherhood and love what they do and, and how they believe, what they act like. But some people lack assurance, and I can tell you I did. I went through all the steps, just like I told you up here. We, we sometimes go through these steps and we, we do this and that, and, but I had a lack of something. The assurance seemed to be missing. And I thought it hasn't been taught correctly when I was looking for that insurance. There wasn't enough input. So I would do this and I'd do that. I'd go to a youth camp in the mountains nearby. General churches would send all their boys there to a boys camp. And when they'd have the meetings and the boys would be praying and going up the aisle and so on. And I'd go up the aisle and they'd start with step number one. Well, I already did that. Step number two, I already did that. And so, you know, they couldn't give me anything at that point because I'd already passed all this. They, they took me to another little cabin and we had prayer together. I'd already done all of that. The assurance was what was missing. The assurance of salvation. So then I had to study differently in my own studies about how do you know that you're sure? Can you tick off number one, number two, number three? Do you love the brethren? Ah, so. Tick that one off. Go to the next one. And this little book of 1 John, when I got this in early, early 1980s, when I really got into this book, at a ministerial summer school, 
we did this book and I phoned my sister, my sister, my wife. I phoned my wife, my best friend. I phoned my best friend, <laughs> my wife. And I said, I could fly home without the airplane. I'm so high on this book. We covered the first John, second John, third John, but it was mainly the first John. And wow, it gave you assurance that you're either in or you're out. And you got proof that you're in. <laughs> That's what I needed. And that was a real, real blessing for me. I wish it had been taught a lot better prior to that because there's many years went ahead of that. People are not convinced. Many people have a maybe. I've even had purple, I've had church people say, if I could just get in by the skin of my teeth. Now, wait a minute. You don't want to walk up to the, the gate, whatever it's going to be, and say, I, I'm not sure yet if they're going to let me in. I think we have to know a lot more sure before something happens to us. Maybe you don't get home today. Are you going to meet up with your master and know that he is your God? That he loves you, he wants you, he's inviting you in? That's what we need to have that assurance is all about. Let me go to another page. Yeah, let me do this one right here. Yeah, this is a song. What can wash away my sin? That's in a song. You better know what can wash your sins away, what can make you clean. Nothing but the blood of Jesus is in that song. What can make me whole again? Yeah, we need to find out. Nothing can for sin atone. There's nothing that is going to atone sin without Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can atone for you. His death. What can make me white? What can make, what can pardon? What can clean? It's all in that song. Nothing but the blood and the death of Jesus Christ who died for our sins to take away, to cleanse us and wash us. A little further down in these same words are, now I believe, now I belong to Jesus. Now I belong to Jesus. As the words of another song. Now I belong to Jesus. Can we say that and mean it? Are we truthful? Now I belong to Jesus. And Jesus belongs to me, is in that song. He gave his life to ransom my soul. Do we understand for sure what that means? It'll give you fire and you'll go to battle for the Lord. You're ready to serve God because he did that for us. His present, his pardon me, his precious blood he gave to redeem me. Now I belong to him. Those are words of that song, part of them. Once I was lost in sin, but Jesus saved me, or Jesus took me in, is in another song, uh, freed me from sin that enslaved me, is in that song as well. Sins that enslave us. Satan's not allowed to, Satan's not going to help you get past one situation and then if you stay with him, it'll, it'll be all good. And what, Satan is to destroy. Satan wants to destroy what God made. You are made by God. God made you perfectly. He didn't say whoops. 
any time while he was creating. <laughs> um, God did it right the first time. And he loves us. He wants us. Wants to protect us and save us. So it should be a positive religion that we have in us uh, that we can say, for I know whom I have believed. And we'd be able to refute that, those kind of things, because we know who it is. I have passed from death unto life. A positive statements. And it's in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12. I'm going to get that one because I want that verse in another place here. Second uh, Timothy. Second Timothy. And then I want uh, chapter 1, verse 12. For the which cause, so you'd have to read what was above. He was called into the ministry. He was called into preaching. He was called in to be an apostle, a teacher to the Gentiles. He was called into something. Then he says, for which cause, for that cause that God wanted me to fill. Nobody else could do that except me. You know, you're, you're special. That's what God gave you to do. Uh, I also suffer these things. He's suffering in the flesh, suffering in these cities, setting in these travels and ships that sank and you know all kinds of troubles that came along he said i'm suffering in these things nevertheless i'm not ashamed i'm not embarrassed by being a christian i'm not embarrassed because i'm serving jesus christ or belong to jesus for i know do you really know that's a trick isn't it that's a question do we know or he says i for i know whom i have believed and am persuaded, convinced that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He said, I know that this sin is done and gone and we're still fighting a battle, but I know Jesus has got charge of this. It's all taken care of. It's going to be right against that day, the last day when judgment comes. I don't have to worry anymore because God's got it in his hand. God's taken care of it. Okay, a powerful religion. In 1 Peter 1.5, it says, who are kept by the power of God through faith. It's a little more to the verse, but uh, that's what we need right now. We are kept. Somebody's looking after us. And the word power is here. And boy, we all want power. And I used to love to have that force shift, you know, change gears. Um, Power. We all love power. Well, we've got the Heavenly Father's power on our side. The power of the Holy Spirit. Our modern world makes no claims to power to save. The world that we're in, they have no advice, no way of getting out of this situation. You know, the wars that are going on, uh, the problems that cause wars, uh, mankind can't fix those things. Only the Heavenly Father. So we are kept by the power of God. The, uh, God's power can sustain us, and sanctify us, save us, but the world can't help. So it's not a modern religion, it's the old-fashioned religion. Him in the old-time religion. 
It's in the, in the Bible, the Bible religion, not something brand new. We need the old Bibles, the oldest way. Uh, the more you read about it, the more you find out that these words have been verified through things like the Death, Dead Sea Scrolls that they found and how to carefully open them up and then be able to read them and scan them and type them and find out they're the same as what we got already. It's an old religion preserved for years and years by the Heavenly Father. It would have never, never lasted. It would have rusted and rotted and molded and gone away. Um, the need for a religious religion with power, God's power, he's able to forgive sins. It's one of the big ones, forgive sins. To cleanse hearts. That doesn't happen in, in the regular world. This is a God thing that can make this happen to you and make you understand it, make you feel it. To cleanse your heart, heal the sick, cleanse uh, and, and keep. Uh, if we're committed unto him, committed unto him. Back to that same verse. We don't have to be ashamed if we're persuaded that he is able. We know, we've tried it and it works. It also needs to be a productive religion. You wonder, well, how, what are you talking about now? It was meant to reproduce, to find others, to send this person out to talk to that one and send this one out. When you start reading the book of Acts, you say, oh, he was sent onto that road down there and talked with that guy from a foreign country. Here's a black guy too. And he wanted to be baptized. And he went back to that nation back in Africa and brought his whole nation to know Christ, along with his good queen. Wow. Yeah. It's a productive religion that will produce uh, ongoing growth. To go and teach them. Jesus said, go and teach them. What, what to teach them? <laughs> it sure wasn't to teach Hebrew or to teach something strange. It's teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, who he was, the Son of God. Teach that belief in their home language, I'm sure, because uh, who's going to learn a foreign country language just to go over there and how much time is being used? Now we can pick up a thing now and say, convert from English to such and such, and it just does it. We we're told in the Bible in my day, go to the whole world. Isn't that what Jesus said? Go to the whole world? Man, what a job. I don't think I can do it, but who's going to go? How many people does it take? How much money does it take to send those people? What do we do now? Click, click, click. Oh, Australia, how's things going? It has gone to the whole world in the last 10 years, 15, 20. But it's gone to the whole world. The gospel has definitely gone to the whole world. Okay. I have chosen you. In John 15, verse 16, I have chosen you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. Look at the rest of the verse. Read what's there. But the word fruit is there. We're designed to build and, and to, to win souls for Christ. Many people will work at one thing or the other, get very diligent about something, but they don't um, get into it with with a spirit of the Heavenly Father and wanting to win them for Christ, uh, or they're just lazy. 
Don't you find a lot of people these days are just lazy? It's been going around for 40 years, maybe longer. And more so in the last years, as you get closer and closer down to our age, there's more and more lazy people. I don't want to do anything. And it comes pretty close home. Some of my family members, I can look over the fence and say, they're relatives of mine and man, I can't believe they're so lazy. They won't witness for Christ. They won't go for Christ. When Jesus was young, he said, don't, don't you understand? I must be about my father's business. What? What business was he in? A carpenter or? No, Jesus meant his heavenly father. What would God have me do? To win people from hell to righteousness and life eternal? Whatever kind of hell you want to call it and whatever you think of hell, that's the bad place. We're going to win them from there to righteousness, to a good life with the Heavenly Father and life eternal and all the blessings that we read in the Bible. It's all available. It's going to be yours. You're really changing their world. You're really doing the Master's work. Jesus is coming soon. We better admit that and understand it because, wow, you look at this world, it just can't last. There is no way. You can look at all kinds of things and it just cannot last. We're ruining the air so bad that every country in the world's in trouble. The ice is melting. The waters are getting warmer. The tornadoes are getting worse. This world cannot last. We need Jesus. We really need him. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Let's start at verse 22. But now being made free from sin. If, you're, if you find yourself going through a process that you can end up by saying, I know that I am saved, I'm born again. And now being made free from sin. Is that where we are? I hope so. Keep going. And become servants of God. Are you a servant of God? Ye have your fruit. Do you have your fruit that's going to bless the Heavenly Father, honor the Heavenly Father? Unto holiness. It's getting deeper and deeper, right? We really need to make up our mind. Are we here or where are we? And the end everlasting life. That's what I want. That's what I'm selling. I want people to be there. I want people to make a decision to be there. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. Sin doesn't cut it. It's going to be death for those people. They, their wages, they're going to be paid, but it's going to be death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I hope every one of you witness that, testify it, and live it. May God bless you.